Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin, broadcasting from London, England, still. Long trip. This has been a long trip. Don't love it. I, you know, I love England. I love London. Don't love the long trip. I went to the Tate, as I told you on uh, Monday, and I've eaten some good food, and I've actually... I'm I'm just amazed at how much of my social life and how much of my engagement revolves around conversations I have for the podcast. Like today, I talked to uh, Jeremy Strong. Um, you guys know Jeremy Strong. He is Kendall Roy on Succession. He's in the new film Armageddon Time with Anthony Hopkins, Anne Hathaway, and Jessica Chastain. And, uh, you know, he's an intense cat, earnest cat, real actor guy into the process, likes talking about the process, has a process, uh, is an artist. And it was good to talk to him. This is I didn't record that here in, in England, but he's been very much uh, a friend to me uh, as I travel to England. He has a lot of experience here in, uh, in London. He's, he's uh, given me restaurants to go to. He's given me suggestions. He introduced me to a friend of his who I had lunch with. And, you know... That was nice. It's nice if I get out and do things with people. I just find that the one thing that happens to me, especially if I'm alone in another land, is that I just I feel like I'm my own planet. And I feel like it's not quite in orbit with the rest of it. And it's a, it's a strange, awkward, lonely feeling. I'm not that social a person in the sense of like, I don't know how to make fun for myself really I go do the things and I generally have a good time but I don't I'm not a fun generator I don't know if you guys knew that about me I I'm definitely not someone someone would call a well that guy's a he's a fun guy that Mark Marin's a fun guy but I was trying to track it you know I was trying to track it you know because I remember like when I was a kid like a little kid when my parents would go away on trips, I would completely lose it. I would fall apart. I, I wouldn't even know how to handle it. I, I just assumed I, and I thought that they would die, usually in a plane crash. And I would picture the plane crash over and over again. And I, and it would, I would it, to the point where I would become physically ill. This is like before I was 10 years old. And maybe that panic for myself of being away from what I know or the patterns of life I'm used to just caused me 
to just kind of there's a, a fundamental stress to it or not even a stress just a an untetheredness being not grounded i guess i need routine but i, I don't experience this in the states really i used to feel kind of estranged from reality when i travel on the road but i don't i don't really anymore i kind of welcome it it's like if i can go home in a few days i'm i feel pretty good and i and, and i'm okay and i can enjoy going to other states and enjoy the things that they have to offer and doing comedy there but when i'm away like this across an ocean flying over water too it's just sort of like i just my brain just uh yeah i just kind of there's just a little bit of a churning that goes on. It's kind of hard to stop it. And, uh, you know, like I miss uh, Kit. I miss the cats. I miss the routine. I miss, you know, uh, my house. It just, it's long. And I've got to get used to it. Because I might have to go away for longer amounts of time if I want to do a movie or if I want to <laughs> live in another country. I have to figure out how not to latch on to worry I just like I just assume something's gonna uh, you know something awful is gonna happen to uh, the people and animals in my life, and uh, I won't be around for it. And just uh, and my brain locks onto it. My I spent, my brain lately just spends a lot of time reacting to things it's generating against my will, not great things. And uh, you know I have to I have to you know kind of step in and stop it and get into the fucking present. I guess it's just anxiety. I guess that's what it is. But it doesn't really quite explain my feeling of alienation when I'm away or in a different country. This psychological, emotional, and you know, physical sense of alienation. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. You know, I, I don't really know. I don't really know what it is. It's an odd loneliness, and it's a bit debilitating uh, in terms of enjoying myself or getting out and about. But the work has been great. I'm recording this Sunday. And the show last night at the Bloomsbury was, what a great space. Um, 500 seats, the perfect amount. Beautiful sound in there. Uh, the woman who opened for me was excellent. Her name is Anya Magliano. Very funny. That worked out. Um, going again tonight, which will be last night by the time you hear this. And the things that I've done here in terms of work have been amazing. I, I do love uh, my, my gig. You know, I've, I've been loving doing the comedy and I like, love talking to people because I really never know what's going to happen. I did that live podcast with uh, David Bedil, uh, which went very well. I did talks with uh, Armando Iannucci, which was great, fun. I spoke to him the day the prime minister resigned. I talked to Rob Delaney, which was heavy, uh, about um, his new book and the loss of his, uh, his child. I had Courtney Love. Uh, over and we talked it's all been pretty intense but uh, they were all very exciting conversations and I'm excited for you to hear them and now like you know today I go to Ireland what I've noticed about being here in London is that I don't want to move here generally as those of you who listen to me over the years uh, recently anyways uh, everywhere I go I seem to want to live whether it's Tulsa or Pittsburgh or Ireland or Canada but I, I've uh, checked quite a few off the list, and I, I don't feel like I want to live in London, though it is an amazing city. Just the layers of fucking history. After being in New York and then here, these are two of the great cities in the world, but London, it's just layers and layers of history, like all the way back to ancient Rome, for fuck's sake. And you can feel it, man. 
I mean, you can feel it. It's a, it, the way the city is sort of laid out is kind of a mess. All the buildings are like, you know, some of them are like twice as old, if not more than the ones that, uh, you know, this goes back to pre-Christ, I guess, and underneath all this stuff. I guess when they were building this new uh, tube line, the Elizabeth line, that they found all these pieces of Roman wall, plague pits. I got to watch this documentary someone told me about yesterday. But uh, I do appreciate the depth of the history here. I mean, New York's got it too, but not, not quite the same. You know, London is totally unique and uh, pretty spectacular. But I am going to Ireland. I'll be in Dublin for a couple of days. And, you know, I, I did want to live there for a long time until I realized that uh, that loneliness I was telling you about, even in the most beautiful places, that sense of being an alien or of being different or of being sort of uncomfortable would be maximized, even if, even if I was in Ireland. They, I mean, the landscape would be beautiful, but I'd be the weird guy. I'd be, I'd be the weird American guy who seems a little awkward out there on the, uh, up there in the house on the, uh, near the bog. <laughs> so, but I am, I'm excited to, uh, to go to Ireland and perhaps, you know, buy a hat, maybe get a scarf. I don't know. Find something. So look, as we head into uh, my conversation with uh, Jeremy Strong, who is a, uh, a kind and sweet man, talented fella, and uh, in one of the greatest shows ever, Succession. And I just watched him on uh, the plane in The Gentleman, which was not, it's not, not a great movie. You know who was great in that movie? Fucking Hugh Grant. Anyway, Jeremy Strong uh, plays one of the, the greatest characters on television, really. And if you're not watching Succession, you should. Uh, Kendall Roy, all of the Roys, the entire show is amazing. But Kendall, he does a hell of a job with that. And in this new film, the Armageddon Time movie, Armageddon Time with Anthony Hopkins, Anne Hathaway, and Jessica Chastain, many people who I love, an acting, a real acting movie, actor's movie anyways. James Gray directed it, and he's directed some very interesting movies, but this is the most personal movie that he's directed. It's a very specific story about a family, a Jewish family. It takes place, I guess, during the 80s, and uh, there's, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful film, really. And there is some undertones about, you know, where we are today. It's, it's sort of, it's very personal, but it deals with some of the issues that we deal with today. And it actually has sort of a, a premonition or a pre, uh, it, there, Jessica Chastain, you know, plays Marianne Trump, who is a Trump sister. And there is a Trump presence in this movie in the early eighties, not, not Donald, but the old man. It's, 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 it's a very personal film, but it also deals with, with with social issues in a very personal way it's a it's it's a smart and and well acted and well written and well shot movie i liked it i liked the movie i think i'm going to talk to james gray that'll be good but right now uh i'm going to talk to uh jeremy strong the movie um armageddon time opens in theaters this friday october 28th and uh this is me talking to jeremy back in the uh back in the garage mm-hmm. 
Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. It was in Telluride for the film festival. With this, uh, with, with the Armageddon movie? With James Gray's film Armageddon Time. Did you see it? I did. Yeah. What did you think? I loved it. I'm a Jew. I want so badly for you to be a Jew, but I can't make you a Jew. Well. He made you a Jew, which I liked. <laughs> you know, my father's Jewish. Oh, he is. And my grandfather was oh, Jewish. Oh, so you and, have it, yeah. And my grandfather was a, was a, was a plumber who lived in Flushing. My grandfather owned a hardware store in New Jersey. That's right. And you lived in... Queens for a while, yeah. You I did as a grown-up, yeah. So right. your grandfather was a plumber in Flushing. He was, yeah. So did you see him often? I mean, how close were you to that guy? I was very close to him. Yeah. When I was when I was when I was little, and I and I spent some summers living in his basement on Seventy Third Avenue huh. near Jewel Avenue and Main Street. Yeah. Yeah, I lived in his basement, and I would take the QM four into the city. How old were you? <sighs> 12, 13, See, that's 14. a weird thing, right, if you have that experience. Because I, you know, I had family in Jersey. That's where my people were from. Yeah. And, uh, but I grew up in New Mexico, but I always had a relationship with Jersey. And yeah. the whole, the, the, in your teens, I'm older than you, taking the bus from Jersey into Port Authority. Yeah. Just to walk around. Yeah. Like that was, I like that scene in the movie where they just, you know, they're kind of free for the day. That's right. And yeah. there was a time when you were 13, if you knew the city, you could do that. Yeah. Just go walk around the city. I think, you know, my, my, my buddy Sam Whipside, who's a, a novelist and yeah, teacher. Yeah, great novelist. Yeah. Great. Up in Epic Columbia. He's my, my, one of my best friends. Like, he's got kids. And city kids are city kids. And they just do that. They live there. And they do it. Whereas when you come into it, which I imagine you were, you know, you go in, you're like, oh, my God. No. I mean, I think, you know, I remember I would take the Greyhound bus yeah. or the Peter Pan bus from Boston yeah. to Port Authority. Yeah. And... You know, I think it was a big act of trust on my parents' part sure. uh, to, to, to let me do that. But so that world is, was a world. So James uh, entrusted me with this. And, and, but, but I had I had, had a, a pretty vivid time in my life. That, yeah. That, that, that was a Jewish-oriented. It was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you had the experiences. Yeah, we would have satyrs in his basement. And why, like, why the basement? Did, was, he, was the house Everything not? was covered in plastic. In you house. remember those houses. Sure. Yeah, yeah. There, well, there's one room. There's the the yeah. living room was covered in plastic, and then there was the den. Right. Where right. my grandfather would lay on the couch and watch sports. Right. And my, my grandmother would sit in a lazy boy and do crosswords. My grandfather used to pick me up from the bus stop on Jewel Avenue and take me to Roy Rogers, which was like, you know, a fancy 
meal, and he thought that the <laughs> Wait, Rogers he, he thought that the fixins bar <laughs> was like a salad bar. Yeah, so, so he'd <laughs> go load himself up with. <laughs> no, I have very. He was an important figure to me. Yeah, I, my, as was my maternal grandfather, because I just felt that uh, you know he had this hardware store, and he was you know, and there were always these old guys hanging around the hardware store, not doing anything, just right. talking. And you just sit there and like soak whatever the Kibitzing, hell it was in, right. yeah, 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 going at it, we whatever it was. And my grandfather was, you know, uh, just working, you know, selling refrigerators, really, yeah, yeah, and washers. And he had a guy that worked for him named Hooper who used to fix stuff. You know, it was like a world. You know, it was a whole world. And he used, he used to, he owned he owned the hardware store first, and then he owned an appliance store, and they were like catty corner. But he sold the 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 hardware store to Dave Dover. So they were just, they knew each other. Everyone knew each other. And there was a luncheonette across the street, Archie's Luncheonette. You know, the kind of place that had the counter with the food, but yeah. also it was a toy store. They had model planes and candy, and, you know, it was one of those places. It's sort of a lost world, really. Totally. I mean, I, 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 it was familiar to me what was going on in that movie, those people. It was a little, still a little younger than me, but, you know, that generation of old Jew, I definitely, is familiar to me. You've played Jews before, though. I did a play about Spinoza. Off Broadway, yes. this great theater on, on East Thirteenth Street called Classic Stage Company, yes. and it was a, a wonderful play by David Ives uh, about Spinoza's excommunication. Yeah, and the audience, the theater is this old sort of horse stable, and yeah. the, the audience was the synagogue, and really? and the play is about uh, uh, Spinoza's sort of belief system being dismantled and his his excommunication well so you do the research what because i've tried to read spinoza and and i can't quite wrap my brain around well, i have a hard time with philosophy in general yeah yeah no i mean what did you glean painstaking what did i glean i guess it's been a minute you know sure. part of the thing about this work is that you go you 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 really do a deep dive sure. and, and 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 you you try and saturate yourself yeah. with so much uh, understanding, right? But, but then it's like a weather system, and you kind of rain it all out. Yeah, it and goes then it's away. Gone. It goes away. But I remember there was something that Spinoza wrote. There were a couple things, but there was one thing that he wrote. Yeah, which was that there can never be enough joy, and <laughs> I kind of carried that with me because whenever I started to kind of go, um you know, spiral yeah. into my own negativity or doubts or fear, which I often do. Like today? Yeah, on the way here. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, with real trepidation, sure. actually, because, you know, you feel exposed. And uh -huh. I was at Telluride last weekend, and Kate Blanchett was being given a medal. Yeah. And she said, you know, standing in the wings yeah. just now, I was full of fear and anxiety sure. because the hardest role to play is yourself. You know, we as yeah. actors, we want to hide. We want to disappear into a yeah. I once had a character. Uh, I once had uh, John C. Riley on. He goes, no, "I don't usually do this." Yeah. You know, interviews. I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "I don't want to ruin the mystique." <laughs> not even that. I think no, it's I just I don't. But that I, you was know, him. That was him. I feel like there's. I, I'm not that interesting. Yeah, the work is interesting. I, I hope. And so there's never enough joy. That was yeah, something. Yeah, I, I don't. It you just, think about. It did when I was doing it. Okay, and, and, it, and, and it hung with you. Well, and it was a sort of, um, it became an imperative throughout the process, and I actually, acting is not something I usually tend to enjoy. I, I, yeah. I find it quite difficult and torturous, yeah. and some of that is probably the, you know, the, the, the pressures that I put on myself. Yeah. 
And it was that was just kind of this great leavener that I carried it that I carried around. So you integrated that into the character, despite that it was a, a, a play that was that was a, a difficult time for him. Yeah, I mean, his belief essentially that that God was inherent in all things. Yes, and that this moment, yeah, is necessarily this moment. So that his belief is that there's no reason to ever not be joyful because this moment is in perfect alignment with the will of God. It can't, it could yeah, not I be. Yeah, I get it. Right. So, so, so that you stop being in argument with this moment, you right. know, it's right. like right. W- whatever is happening, that's the curriculum and, and sort of being in, in, uh, Normally, I think we have these headwinds or we have these crosswinds or we're somehow at variance with with what's happening or I often find myself. Or, or reacting to something that your brain is generating outside of the moment. Yeah. Right. And so Spinoza, I guess, you know, his belief in the exactitude and divinity of the moment. Yeah. And also, in order to, I love what we're talking about Spinoza. He said the desire is the essence of man. and I, and I And I thought that that, you know... Desire kind of gets a bad rap sometimes. Not carnal desire, physical desire, but just passion. Sure. Being the engine yeah. and, the, and the essence of, of life. And so there, you... That's better than winning. I love <laughs> this work. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I love it because you get to be a student really forever. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, but it's interesting that... You know, it it does seem that some of that remained with you because you know you're even if you're just doing the work, you know you are studying a great thinker. Yeah. So you know, as a person, a student of life, somebody who wants to evolve as an individual, yeah. you know those things obviously stuck with you. You do have you did get it, and it did somehow you know change your mind about things. It did, and yeah. it, it activated something. I mean, listen, I would if I had known you were going to ask me about Spinoza, I would have done a refresher, a, Why? Re- a refresher course. No, there's no pressure, but. Um, but no, I think you, whether you retain things, I don't think I retain very much intellectually. But Ever? I, but I, maybe not, honestly. I feel like a bit of a sieve. <laughs> well, but, but, but I do think things imprint themselves on you. Yeah. And, and, and I think I retain sort of scattered pieces of all of these experiences yeah. somewhere in my unconscious or somewhere in that. Well, I mean, it seems like, you know, in in terms of like uh, the self-exploration, the the idea that you are fundamentally boring because, you know, you make yourself that way. I don't know if that's true, but but in terms of of doing the work, I understand this approach to it. And and I do think it's interesting how quickly things do leave after you do them. You you know, that once you walk away, it's kind of odd. It is because when you're doing it, it's the most important thing in the world. Because you're me. in it, yeah. You're, I mean, and you've, you know, you've loaded up. Yeah, and exactly. When, and when you walk away from it, it's like it, it was a, it was almost a different world. Well, it, 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 it does feel that way. It yeah. feels there's something about it that feels. Um, it's like you enter some yeah. trance and you you sort of go somewhere else and then you return from it, and it and it vanishes. It feel it feels very real at the time. Well, it kind of is. It's almost like it's heightened and it's different. Like I mean, you've done enough theater to know that theater is theater, and that you know the context of that is uh, you, you know you got to stay in it. Yeah. And and so the electricity of theater, half of it is just sort of like I got to get from beginning to end. Right. 
but you know, being on set of a TV show or a movie is is sort of a plotting process where the work becomes you know fragmented yes and so you know the appreciation of this work is going to happen in these two to three minute increments and uh and you know being able to maintain that world and your you know work in that world is 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 a tremendous challenge but it's all very heightened even the waiting is heightened because being on a set you know, it's like you you know what's up. Yeah, yeah. And, and as soon as you're in it, you're yeah. like, I mean, but it's like I, I don't know where one gets that because there are some people that can't function at all in front of a camera or on a stage, and I don't know that it's necessarily learned. You know the 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 ability to shift into that. It's interesting. I mean, I think everyone approaches it differently, mm. but part of it is, in a way, what you just said. Uh, that you know what's up mm-hmm. part of it is about forgetting what's up uh-huh i find you know if i go visit someone on a set yeah or i go sit in the audience of a play yeah i can't even imagine doing that myself i find it like uh when you watch somebody yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm sort of astonished by it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then somehow you go through whatever chrysalis you go through in preparation yeah and when you enter into something and when you're inside it yeah. enough, then you, I find that you can forget what's up. You sure. can forget oh, yeah. what you, you, and you sort of are just living inside of the, the, inside of a sense of belief yeah. that, um, that is the, the, that this is happening now, that this yeah. is real. Yeah. How do you, but do you, when you do it, do you lock in? I find that if I, the, the sooner I get in relationship with another actor then it sort of gets real that's interesting do you find do you do it with desks do you are you one of those people that's like touches the yeah the touches wood the wood and, and, <laughs> you know i try <laughs> i've tried that i've tried everything you know yeah um this is now this I, is now i this you know be, i mean yeah. listen as just being trying yeah. to be present yes. is something i think we all that's the whole struggle thing. Struggle with. Yeah. It is the whole thing. Yeah. It is. It seems that that, you know, if, if you can do that, you can get away with it. You, there's a lot of work to be done before you walk onto a set. Yeah. In terms of, I mean, depending on the material, depending on the tone, the role, characterization, yeah. there's a lot of work that you have to make unconscious and, and, and internalize and lay in and all of that. Yeah. But then it's really it's quite simple. I mean, it's not showing it's, it's, up. It's mysterious, yeah. to me. But it's like there's this great thing. I remember being at drama school when I was 18 in England, and the principal at the school gave everyone the four quartets, the T.S. Eliot, T.S. Eliot, yeah. and said and read some passages from it. One of them being about a condition of complete simplicity, costing not less than everything, and. I think that's what, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so funny that you know, d- depending on what your nature is and who you are and what you know what resonates with you, uh, it, 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 all these disciplines of understanding uh, outside of math, right, uh, <laughs> are kind of like go for it. Whatever moves you, you know, take it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that's how you sort of you know, build your understanding of the world. Too. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, you grew up in Boston? 
I grew up in Boston. Like what part? I, w- I lived there for years. Because you went to BU. Yeah? I did go to BU, and then I, you know, I came out here and crashed and burned for uh, about a year, and then I went back to and, Boston. Yeah. Where did you live? Uh, at that time, when I went back. Yeah. Well, when I went to BU, I lived on uh, Carlton Street, uh, which was just over the Brookline Boston. Right uh, on, right off of Beacon there, and I lived on uh, Park Drive, around the corner from there. But when I went back, I was in Somerville. Yeah, I lived in an attic in Somerville, right in Davis Square, before it was you know hip. I grew up in Jamaica Plain, JP, before before it was hip. Yeah, and uh, and I went to school in Dorchester. Yeah, and my father Dorchester. Why that seems far away from JP? No, there was a there was a I would I would get on the bus oh. to go to elementary school there. I used to work at a place in West Roxbury called, yeah. called Gordon's Deli. Yeah, I would I was in West Roxbury a lot. My father um my father worked for the Department of Youth Services and he ran these juvenile jails yeah. in Boston. Um and really? one of them was in West Roxbury, and I would go spend time there. At yeah. the juvenile jail? Yeah. What, so what, was he a social worker? Yeah, essentially, but he was sort of um, an administrator of, of these facilities. And I think it was, a really, it was a really tough, heavy job yeah. that he sort of protected my brother and I from the heaviness of. Yeah. Um, and... But I would spend time there. I got to know a lot of the, a lot of the guys who were locked up and. How old were they? Under eighteen. Yeah, yeah. And and what was your? So did your dad ever like go into private practice? No, but he was beloved. I mean, as as much as one could be. I mean, he he. What was his exact job title? He was the sort of facility facility administrator. So was he, he oversaw? Was he a warden? It's, it's, it, there there wasn't a title for that, but essentially. Oh. Huh. But essentially, he had a really big key ring that I it was one of my earliest memories. Huh. Um, so he he was sort of managing several facilities. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And my mother was a hospice nurse and worked at Boston Children's Hospital. That's a great hospital. Both. Yeah, it is. I was born there. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. So you you know uh, your mother's bringing these people in the world, and the hope is that they don't end up in the care of your father. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, my father, my father got really close to a lot of the kids yeah. who were there, but I definitely grew up with a with a very um, with a very keen awareness. I don't know that I could have articulated it as a as a kid. Yeah, but but of what I've come to understand as sort of vicious cycles and. And, you know, my, my parents are both very empathic people who, yeah. who they both, I think, gave themselves completely over to, to some form of service. Yeah. I mean, in, in that's, that is, I mean, in theory, in spiritual theory and in, you know, kind of moral theory, the, the highest thing you can do is service. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, whatever we were talking about earlier in terms of Spinoza and the shortage of joy, that I, I don't know, like, for me, when I think of service, when and even just hearing about what your parents do, they, there should be a, a certain amount of genuine joy in, in, in succeeding in both of those things if you're helping people. Absolutely. Right? I, I, and I do think, you know, I think there's something... Um, 
there is something in our society yeah. that, you know, people like my mother and father, yeah. while they're while that work is valued and recognized, it's not the kind of thing that we valorize particularly. You know, those aren't no. The it's like the quiet the heroes. Yeah, and 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 I think there was a lesson that I got from my parents. Yeah, that was about um, what can you give as opposed to what can you gain. Yeah, and I oh, and, yeah. and I think when we're in a place of of service. Yeah, I mean certainly. Certainly, that's something that is talked about in sobriety, yeah. you know, and service. Uh, um, but you I, sober gay? I'm I'm not, but I have a lot of close friends sure. who are, and 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 Kendall yeah. has been. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So so, but I guess I'm a bit of a an idealist about creative work. Yeah, and I think that actors are servants well i think that like that i thought about that too with this particular movie but like before i get into that so do you have siblings i have a younger brother how old is that guy he's two years younger than me so i don't know i'm either 42 or 43 right now hmm. so he's two or, years do younger. you not believe i kind of just i kind of just lost track <laughs> Are you, is there some question is something still being worked <laughs> yeah, exactly. out yeah <laughs> Well, let me know Lots when you have conspiracy you're, theories you're, you're, about you're, where and when you were born. <laughs> yeah. The, the exact time. Yeah. Uh, At the actor's studio in uh, 19. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. You're a time traveler. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so your brother's not in the in the show business racket? No, my brother was working at a at a company that had something to do with video conferencing software that I could never remember the name of and then yeah then there was a global pandemic and it's and called Zoom so no kidding so he 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 works yeah did all right I Zoom. guess but the the servicing I guess what I was uh, what I was going to say in thinking about this movie and thinking about storytelling and 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 framing you know the work that you do in some ways, as giving and being of service, I, I, I think that there's a, it can be a truth to that. Although there is a certain amount of of assumed ego in show business, yeah, of course. But of course. but but this, you know, and I and I and I know that the 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 phrase the term storytelling gets thrown around a lot now. Like I'm a storyteller, he's a storyteller. We have yeah. it's very important the storytelling. Yeah. But this particular movie is is an important story, and yeah. it, it's done uh, with a certain amount of of grace and and subtlety. Uh, and and it's a, a, a relevant story that that is set in the eighties, and it and it kind of it, it kind of uh, pre pre shadows uh, uh, what we're in now exactly it, it, very intentionally yeah yeah uh, in a very you know it, 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 with real ingenuity I think on no James's for sure part, part for sure yeah you know yeah. he to me he's one of the greatest living filmmakers uh, and I think his body of work is you know goes toe to toe with with any living. Contempor- you know any living filmmaker well like, i like this one this story in reckoning with his father as opposed to the the one in outer space well there you i know, enjoyed that there's a there's i did too and 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 it's one of my favorite performances of of pitts and there's real um there's a thread that goes through his work through all of his work about the relationship between fathers and sons and this is certainly his most personal film and is about you know, it's a, it's 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 an autobiographical yeah. film, and I think the thing that that really kind of thunderstruck me when I yeah. when I read it is that it's both 
it's both the origin story of an artist yeah. in the way that we've seen a lot sure. of these films yep. recently, yep. but it's also the origin story of our country where it is now. Yeah, you know, you, exactly. You see in 1980 against the backdrop of Reagan's election yeah. and the sort of emergence of the kind of market is God idea. And and then the underpinnings of anti-Semitism and... Anti-Semitism and, and, the, and the fault lines that have become the, you know, the, the widening racial and social and political divisions that, yeah. that are, you know... Yeah, and in this movie, Fred Trump is a Fred character. Trump, who, who, who was, you know, part of the school that Paul in the film yeah. ends up going to. Yeah, he's a, a benefactor, right? Yeah, he's school. one of the benefactors. Yeah. And the family, you know, and, and, and that school, I think later, James remembers... Donald sort of around walking the halls like sure. a, like a wraith. Yeah, um, well, I mean, they this sister uh, who Marianne. was a state attorney then, I think, is a judge uh, or right. was is now a retired judge, and I think she's uh, in, incapacitated with uh, with mental problems. Uh, but Jessica Chastain plays that character. Yes, yeah, and so, but all of that sort of exists in this very offhanded adjacent way to yeah. the story but you feel that it's in the the sort of substrate of yeah. everything that the soil of the film no, that's takes it. place yeah. on like i i but in know, a very glancing way right you, you know I, I love the film you know and i've been i've been i've been very lucky to work on some great films but this as far as a a, a this film yeah as a whole the film is full of warmth and humor yeah. and love and loss, but there's also something um, incredibly piercing in its moral argument. Uh, uh, to me, it's a movie without being didactic in any way yeah. about white privilege and the sort yeah. of blindness of white privilege and the idea that complicity is something that we've all experienced. It's, it's done, it, yeah, it's, it's done, you know, very subtly and very well and within the context, a framework of, you know, when you have somebody who, the grandfather character who has experienced the yeah. type of historic anti-Semitism. Right. And, and that within the family there is, you know, uh, a standing up to uh, fascism in a way. Yes. And then there's a, this sort of, you know, kind of, Jewish premium put on helping the under, you, you know, like uh, acknowledging your own privilege yeah. and helping others and also standing up for what's right. Right. And, uh, and the failure to do that. Right. I mean, for I the think, kid, it's I think, hard uh, for the kid. And he's a kid. Yeah. But I think clearly it's an event that has in many ways shaped and haunted this filmmaker's life. I'm sure. I mean, all it takes you know, is one thing. These, what we think of as small events, yeah. Oh, yeah. are really are colossal events. And yeah, because they, they, they take up space in, yeah. your, in your heart and in your mind. Yeah. And, and, and they also, they're the kind of genome that become the map of the, of the world. Uh, uh, of your uh, perception. Yeah. As yeah. an artist or whatever you do. I think so. Yeah. So, like, in going back to your experience, I mean, being that this is about because this your character is it's a it's a difficult character because he can't control himself, right? And you know, I I mean, if you have that in your life, it, it's it's a horrible, frightening thing for usually that individual who doesn't recognize it until he's done something terrible. That's right, uh, and feels you know guilty for it, but that doesn't necessarily mean he'll stop doing that. But to a kid, it's brutal. 
and and it's uh complete uh, uh soul shattering shit yeah yeah it's there there's real brutality in, yeah in that relationship and there's real tenderness yeah i, and, I and, yeah. and a sort of you know i'm drawn to people but to characters as yeah. well who are muddled of course he, he finds himself i think ill-equipped and uncomprehending and in and in and in the middle of you know he's a he's a steam boiler he repairs steam boilers yeah in this in the film james's yeah. father was an engineer but but i thought about that just as a as a as a as a concept of the steam boiler yeah of something that is when it gets dysregulated it will explode yeah um, or, or just or yeah, yeah or just yeah yeah blow off steam <laughs> and, and 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 so there's and i my father was never violent mm. but he had a temper and but he also is the most um he was under a lot of pressure sure he was you know there were there were just the walls were pushing in on you know on all sides and the economic pressures and and the desire to provide my brother and i yeah. with a chance at life and and but i you know i remember the sea changes of moods How and often? i mean my my father is the most still around loving benign loving affectionate man now um now and and and, and always yeah um uh and 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 so I don't. I'm. I'm not drawing a parallel between them. Sure. His father, my grandfather, yes, was, was quite had that brutality, the plumber and, and cruelty, the plumber. Hmm. Um, and so I think my father experienced things that are can you know that are that are akin to 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 what the character in the film experiences, but but that sense of the accordioning of 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 emotion yeah you know there's there's this character is goofy yeah he's affectionate right and he also uh is is can be um can lose control sure and it, it, it's a lot of it's rooted in that fear uh personal fear but also the fear for the kid that you, you know right. there was a, a a premium put on you know working towards something yeah that will you know earn you a living. That will put you in a better place That's than right. your parents. That's right. And uh, it was incomprehensible. Uh, you know the idea that putting these kids in that school would you know, on some the one thing I, I I really resonated with me for whatever reason was that there was a belief that it would help Jews pass. That there was a belief that you know this is how we're going to integrate into the 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 the, the higher echelon of culture. Right. Uh, and and then you know counter to that, you know Reagan's president, and they're all sitting there going, "This is a disaster." I mean, I remember when we moved. You know, when I was in fourth grade, yeah, uh, the public school I was going to was rough, and there was an incident on the school bus one day that was. Potential. Where'd you move to? We moved to a town called Sudbury. I know Sudbury, which is like a very affluent. You know, the zip code is seventeen seventy six, and we rented a house, and I went to good public schools. But my parents never really assimilated yeah. into that. They were not welcome in, huh. you know, a lot of the. And when you moved, you, what was the incident? Uh, there the was bus? a kid who pulled a knife on the bus, and, yeah. was, and and you know, and 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 I think my mother wanted to take us somewhere else, yeah. and 
and um, but but I remember the you know there was a country club in the town yeah. we went to yeah. and you know we weren't members of that and sure. and and the feeling of being an outsider yeah. and the feeling of um, part of my thing I guess because acting is a form of assimilation right I mean it's about chameleoning and yeah. it's about it's about probably at a young age you know I think all of our yeah we're all fairly malleable dude um, it's like it's frightening how much I think it is you know yeah. if you look at like Philip Zimbardo and the Stanford Prison Experiment, which I've always been fascinated by. Yes. The idea that role-playing, which we all do when we're children, you know. Uh, we may be doing it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so, so anyway, so I think, I, I, you know, I, I think. What that about that experiment? Just the plasticity of, of identity, you know, yes. and I think, you yes. know, I've, I've always thought about, there's a, there's a line in Hamlet where, where he says, for use can almost change the stamp of nature. And I think as an actor, what you're doing every time you take on a role, yeah. Irving Graff, Kendall Roy, Jerry Rubin, yeah. you're trying to change the stamp of your nature. And you can do that through use, through habit and work. Of course. And, and I find that, um, but I find that somehow connected to probably early experiences of trying to fit in sure trying to sort of pretzel yourself rearrange yeah. yourself somehow molecularly to 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 fit into an environment is there a point like it's i'm sort of stuck in this thing you watching that documentary about paul newman i haven't ethan seen hawks it. i haven't seen it it's a very interesting thing because at some because paul at some point you know as an actor as a young actor you know once he falls in love with you know the genius that is joanne woodward you, you, you know he's Got to he's in this zone of being a good long a good looking capable guy that fits on film, but you know he's up against Brando and James Dean and, and all these cats and he's he's over there with Sandy Meisner doing the thing, but you know he knows he doesn't have what they have, right. and he has to reckon with that. Right. So you know there's this weird thing where you know Paul Newman has to realize to to himself at least as I've only watched one episode that he may be average. Right. And that like you know he has to acknowledge. His his limitations, self. yeah. His, his limitations, but also yeah. like, who the fuck am I? Yeah, yeah. Now, and you seem to be in the same uh, uh, legacy of work as that. So, was there a point when you started? Thank you. Yeah, that you had to reckon with what the self is. I mean, we're kind of dancing around that, and you know, you were you know able to sort of you know uh, you, you know decide that you're boring or, or or assume that you're you're blank slating yourself, right? But you also you know know enough about yourself to know what may have formed you. Was there a reckoning? You know, I mean, you have a life, you have a wife, you have children. It's a great question. Um, you know. You ever watch that TED talk with Brene Brown? Yeah, I've interviewed her. I love you know, her. that yeah. idea of like you got to dance with the one that brung you. Yeah. I think that is a really big part of the work uh -huh. to become an actor. And I'm still becoming an actor. That's how I understand yeah. that. And what do you mean by that, essentially? Well, my understanding of what she meant. Yeah. Like when you're a kid... 
And I fell in love with this and dreamt about this from when I was little, five. Acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I joined some local theater group in yeah. the basement down the block. And when you were how old? In Jamaica Plain. Yeah. Maybe five or six. Yeah. Children's theater? Children's theater. Yeah. And I think it was just, uh, you know, an escape and it was magical and was there an actor at that time that made it it made it seem possible to you no i mean i had i never had any access to yeah. this world television at all but then i think i think i just felt free yeah in a way that i didn't feel yeah in my life yeah and I th that's continued i mean yeah. there's something that happens within the within the structure and control of a piece of work yeah uh it's i have found at least moments and experiences of of freedom that are that are uh you know um fleeting that are fleeting <laughs> and and, worth and profound sure I, uh, I feel it when i do stand up when i improvise i, I bet yeah yeah and you, you sort of lose yourself and oh, and, it, and, and it happened last and night. you shed yeah you don't know where it comes from no, you don't know where it comes and, from, and it's and that to me has become the the sort of I don't gun for it, but I I respect it. Yes, you have to because you can't control it, and you no. can't you can't summon it, and you can't command it. But if you're going to step out there, you can, and you're going to be open to it. Yes, when it does happen, yes. it, you know, it's almost like you know when you walk off that stage, you're sort of like that. That is just I know. I don't know if anyone else knows, but I know. And I don't know if that's ever going to come back. That's right. But that's what it's all about. No, and you don't know if it will ever come back. That's right. You know, and I think that it's it's quite humbling because it doesn't belong to you. You know, it's an interesting thing about it totally having quote success as an actor. Yeah. Because which I you know which which I shouldn't put quotes around that because yeah. I'm very fortunate to to be working. You're on, doing good. You know, things are great, but it doesn't. I don't feel. Like whatever this ability is, whatever is is something that I that belongs to me. Yeah, but like, but also, you know, I think you're coming up against show business and and against public personalityhood. Yeah, uh, that yeah, those are different things. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah kind of. I mean, the yeah. show business and public personalityhood are not that different. But you right. know, acting maybe uh, in terms of you know how one approaches in the art form of it is different. You know, and everybody has their you know their journey with it. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I don't know. I, I imagine you're probably not going to end up uh, in a in, in something that you hate for a long period of time. Uh, but that <laughs> no. So, but your question, you know, about I, self, because I, I, you know, I wish I could. I don't really know if I can pin that down because it sure. still feels elusive to me. I don't know, you know, but 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 you have values. But I do think sure responsibilities and and, and more and more. And the older I've gotten, and I think I've evolved as a you know uh, uh, as an actor away from you know when you're younger. Yeah, I think a lot of it is about putting on disguises and essentially performing things. Yeah. And then you see certain people's work and you realize there's a whole other dimension to it. Who was that for you? I mean... Really? Like the moment where you're like, holy fuck. I don't know if there's a moment, but some of the... You know, there were some moments maybe when I first saw that scene in Five Easy Pieces, when I first <laughs> in saw... In that diner? 
at the end with oh. his father when oh, I first oh, geez, yeah, when yeah. I first saw coming home. Oh my you god! Know, when I saw that scene where where Bobby Carradine shoots air into his veins. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. What the fuck was that? Yeah. But, go ahead. You know Duval's oh, yeah. work. Yeah, 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 yeah. But all you know, and then and then it's also you can't help but just start to draw from your own experiences. Sure. I've said this before, Yeah. but but it's something I've thought about a lot. And yeah. It's something I read. And since we're having a real conversation, I'll say it again. Yeah. At the risk of Not whatever. The, the articles have already been written. But, exactly. <laughs> but kidding. something that Jung said, yeah. that only that which is really ourselves has the power to heal. And if acting is a service, which I think it is, that service, you know, I don't use the word storyteller, but I do believe that actors, in a sense, are wounded healers. Yeah. And and so if something is actually going to have the chance to connect with an audience or touch an audience, it has to come from a real place in you. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, 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 it. that's all that I really mean by but, that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, you know, you, there, there is a spectrum of actor. There's a spectrum of performer. You know, I mean, you know, sadly, you and I are in similar businesses, but we're also in this, a similar business as vaudevillians and jugglers. Right. So, you, you know, and there are people that get into acting, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Some guys just, you know, it's easier than working. Some guys, you, you know, I mean, I've talked to all, a lot of them, and 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 it's difficult when you work in a profession that some guy could just sort of like, I don't do any work. I want, no, hold on, the camera's on. Watch this. You yeah. know what's amazing is how some of those guys then, you know, they might start out that way, and then some of them become they're great of their course. artistry is like yeah, yeah but yeah. they don't look at it the same no, way you no. do no you, you know it's a however that's the one thing about this game is that you know everyone's got their approach yeah uh, and and you know some it, be, being a movie star and being a great actor at the same time it's tricky they yeah. not all of them can do it but we've got a, quite a few that can these yeah. days yeah uh, uh you know, because there are some people that stay profoundly themselves yeah. in every role Right. Uh, you know, they don't disappear. Then there's some people that disappear. Right. And then there's some people that, you know, are themselves, but they're not movie stars, but they're, you know, they're doing the work. I mean, it's like there's so many ways. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and they're all and they're all valid and of course and, and yeah some guys just like you know some people are just clowns what are you what are you gonna do yeah you know but they're they're all doing the same trip in a way yeah but you know it may not be satisfying to you but like for me in talking to you like I mean when I watched uh, Succession and I saw you coming up against Cox who I have interviewed and there are scenes where where it's sort of like I I've, there was a point where I texted my producer I'm like you know you know I was like Jeremy's beating him. They, Jeremy's, you know, he's winning this thing, and this guy's an animal. You know, <laughs> you know like, and I just see the two methods going at each other, but but the work was different, and I could feel that. And it doesn't happen all the time, but you know, because everyone's doing their thing. But it was one of those times where it's sort of like, you know, he risked it. You know, these some of these old guys, they don't have to risk it anymore because they're all filled up all the time. And they can turn something on that that it has a point of reference to fifty years of fucking work. Yeah, and they can yeah. fool people. So, but you know, when you're putting your ass on the line, you know sometimes that's going to win, and you can see it. Sometimes it'll balance out, and sometimes you know the the dance is great. You know, he is he's like as primal 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's as primal and dangerous an actor as I'll probably ever encounter. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so it was really, it has been really the, the, one of the central relationships of my life to get to do this with him. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we don't talk very much and none of those scenes are, were rehearsed. Yeah. And it's we, great. It's, you know, and, and, you know, one of the first things James Gray said to me, we had dinner. I got, a, I got the, I got this role. Yeah. Got on a plane. I was in Copenhagen, went to hunt him down in New York. Yeah. To, to you know, to, to ask him about his family and his life. And yeah. Interrogate him. And, and, um, one of the first things he said was don't nail it. Yeah. Whatever you do, don't nail it. And it's like the greatest thing a director has ever said to yeah. me. Because in a lot of films, and a lot of processes, you know, making film or television, there is that sense of that pressure. And I find that to only result in a kind of tension. Um, and what we really want, or at least I think yeah. what I want, yeah. is not for people to be perfect and bulletproof. Yeah. But is, is you know, I, when I see films and you see work that is uh alive and messy yeah. and raw yeah. it's it's like the opposite of nailing it but so when you look at you know your process you you look at your the, you know you went where'd you you were at yale for a while i was at yale as a as, a, as an undergraduate not the drama school uh, i was an english major but i went there for college did you try to do the drama school <laughs> You know, the drama school is a graduate school. Oh, right. That's I, right. That's and, the big and one. And I would have tried. Yeah. You know, uh, um, I thought I was going to be a theater studies major yeah. as an undergrad. Yeah. But it, it, it just wasn't a good fit for me. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, uh, I showed up and it was a lot of sort of theory and it felt yeah. very academic and very, I'm a cerebral enough person and a lot of the work I have to do is about getting out of my own head. Yeah. Um, so where did you start the work? Like really? Yeah. I think I had an experience of doing John Osborne's play Look Back in Anger yeah. when I was a senior at Yale. Yeah. And I had done, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of plays yeah. at that point. But I remember having an experience in the middle of a scene yeah. where I actually, <laughs> where I actually listened to what the person was saying to me like i you weren't concerned with yourself i stopped performing anything yeah. and it went from performing to being yes and that was a revelatory mm. that was like a that was a mo a big moment and you didn't plan it you just no, realized it just something shifted atten yeah. uh, attentionally nice nice but it sounds I mean, it is quite simple, but it is... No, it's huge. It's the whole thing. When If you're not waiting for your next line, or it's you're not waiting thing. for your cue, it's the difference between, you know, you know, whatever your process is of memorization, you know, you plant it in your head, and you're like, okay, my line comes after that line. That's, right. what, that's what you do right. to memorize. Right. So if you're going to do some version of that for as long as it takes you not to do that. Right. There's a difference between hearing what's being said and and hearing the end of the line that cues you to talk, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But it, I think it just, um, you know. And then I studied here and there, but just did did theater in New York, off Broadway, off, off, off. You know, all the way off. Who did you study with in New York? 
I studied at HB Studio on Bank Street. Oh, yeah. Herbert Bergdorf Studio. Was that Bill Esper's? It was, no, that was different, but I studied with Austin Pendleton. Do you know Austin? No. Great actor, great teacher. Um, Austin talked a lot about figuring out what the need yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. And once you understand the need, yeah. pursuing that. Yeah. So do you believe that? Without knowing yeah. where you're going. Sure. Do you all. believe that? You yes. plant that thing? Yeah. So you, you knew on your own breakthrough to that you that listening was happening, then you know, you know, sort of identifying the need was the next piece. What'd you learn in you were at Steppenwolf for a period? Yeah. What did that let you do? Get mad? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, obviously those guys are legendary, right? You know, True West and... Well, yeah, but were you there with Tracy? They were all there. They all taught. Tracy Letts? You know, I've come to know Tracy a bit. The best. You know, I admire great him guy. tremendously. Great guy. He's um, <laughs> great. But, but what did I learn at Steppenwolf? I mean, again... You it, went there for a reason, It's hard to codify right? any of this stuff. No, but I mean, you went there yeah, for a reason. Yeah, I went there for a reason. Of, of the Well, because the they history. were just kind of like a balls out, yeah. you know, yeah. theater company that right. we don't have in this country in terms of an ensemble right. that have grown together and done really audacious yeah. work. Yeah. But it's really just about a practice. Yeah. Like any discipline is sure. a practice. There you go. Yeah. It's just a practice. And Good. then thousands and thousands of hours on stage yeah. and and... And the danger of stage, which I find okay, um, it's exciting, exciting, and you know, yeah, and it's a, yeah, and you and you know, you dig in, like you know, you do a thing with, uh, uh, like I, I know you spent time with Daniel Day Lewis, yeah, and that was sort of your somehow or another, what, what that experience must have. <laughs> made you realize a couple things i mean whatever that because i just read a little bit some pieces of like you must have seen how show business worked through that experience well not and, even show business but i saw i guess i saw an actor following the line of their intuition mm. with utter commitment um and and in a way i think well it was it was revelatory to watch mm. and and I think what it did was it kind of gave me permission to be bold, yeah, in my own way, yeah, but you know ultimately you i and I'm sure you found this too, there's not a whole lot you can learn from other people, you know, I think there was a time in my life where I sought out teachers, yeah, and I wanted to you know get the magic beans, yeah from. <laughs> from these greats and yeah. find the master, yeah, yeah. And, you know, an apprentice to yeah. the masters. But the masters, like all of us, yeah. are on the frontier of their own uncertainty and confusion, sure. just like all of us. And so there's really no, there is, there, there is no kind of axiom that you can impart that's going to unlock the mysteries. It's, right. Well, there's sometimes there's practical tricks. There were great practical <laughs> You know, and not even tricks, but yeah. but but tools, Advice. right? Tools, sure, sure. Things because a, a lot of, especially film work, yeah. is practical. Yeah, and then there's the and then there's the element of it that remains and needs to remain a mystery. Yeah, uh, like you said, you know, you can only sort of, you know, you can't summon flame. I no. think. Um, no. Um, so. The, the, I think that the the thing is though that the only thing that increases your the possibility of summoning flame is is stepping out 
to, you, you, making yourself available for it, yes. which is in in, in uh, overcoming fear. Yes, and and so like you you know that that's inconsistent. That is inconsistent. Yes. What do you mean? Doing it. Yeah. Like I mean, you can aspire to it yeah. and maybe eventually get to fearlessness. Yeah. Necessary, but sometimes it's sort of like. Oh, God, no, I mean but that that, that <laughs> is the thing. I think yeah. it fearlessness is really the word. Yeah. You know. I am not a fearless person, right. but I think I, as an actor, yeah. you have to be fearless or you have to find a way, I think, to, well, to just like ramrod those fears. That's and, right. And yeah. Go, yeah. And go right into them because, because I'm never without fear. Right. But put yourself in the situation. But in those scenes yeah. with Brian somehow yeah. and in others, you know, and, yeah. and I guess in general, when I go to work, yeah. Although you die a thousand deaths, maybe in the van on the way to work, yeah, um, there is something about. There's this thing that I read that has always stayed with yeah. me that Garcia Lorca said, yeah, that only when you rob yourself of skill and security might the duende appear. The duende being, you know, the the spirit. Oh yeah. And I think that it is about that. It's about a surrendering to a power, yeah. to some power that I don't understand. Sure. That, I think what's, what's interesting and what we keep coming back to is that, you know, however anybody looks at anything we talk about. Yeah. And I think you've had this experience you know, it recently. Yeah. You know, fuck them. Yeah, definitely. And, 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 and the truth is, is that like, you know, what, what's happening is happening. Is that like, you know, the depth of anyone's appreciation as an artist for what their work is and how they get to where they want to get is, you know, it's it's their fucking thing. And, and it's, it's our it's, it's our work. It's your work. So, you know, there's nothing but judgmental, you know, shallow people out there who are looking to start shit uh, over you know, things they don't understand. You know, like it's like like I, I said before, it's like if it's not mathematics then it's all fucking poetry and you got to figure out which of those things is going to guide you to get you where you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you, the, the liability then, is talking about it. That's right. No, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I, there is a sense, I'm sure you know this, you know, in, in, in driving here, yeah. there's this feeling of like, am I going in front of a firing squad? You yeah, know? yeah. Of course, I'm not because right. it's so wonderful to talk to you, um, but uh, but you're right about all of that. Yeah, and, yeah. And and you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, this film Armageddon time. Yeah, it's serious stuff. This is if this is a person excavating his life. Yeah, and I have to earn the right to walk onto that set and be this man's father. Yeah, and and he needs to believe that I'm his father. And so the challenge of that and, yeah. and the responsibility yeah. of that, I take it as seriously sure. as anything in life. Yeah. I, I, why You should. And you should. Yeah. yeah. No, we should. You know, I think that is. Yeah. Even if like, you know, people though, like, I think one of the things you're up against, so, and, and I don't know where your ego's at with that, is that like, you know, you've gotten a lot of, you know, uh, attention and, and uh, you won a, a prize, you know, and. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and is there sometimes like I think the feeling is, are you good with, you know, do you remember doing off, off, off Broadway and feeling satisfied? Was that enough? Interesting. Well, it both was and it wasn't, 
right? Because mm, okay, yeah, because the yes, it was in the sense that it was incredibly nourishing to get to. I worked on great plays, you yeah. know, in sixty-seat theaters above a falafel stand yeah. And, yeah. that nobody saw. Yeah, and you know that they pay you with a metro card, and you know you're <laughs> yeah. you're 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 living in a in a way that feels very precarious. Uh-huh. Creatively, a lot of that was enough, yeah. and some of that work, to be honest, is more fulfilling than ninety-five percent of the film and television work that's available. Yeah. Uh, you know the theater is, you know. Um, but but in my mind, it's sort of like this is where it matters. And then you look at the audience, you're like, to these four people. You know. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I think like any actor, yeah. I'd be lying if I said that I didn't want to be doing what I'm getting to do now. Yeah, you know, those are the you know those are my dreams. Yeah, it's amazing to me that that. Yeah. That. Um, yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah. Now, Denmark, so you're married to a Danish person? Yes. Uh, I'm married to uh, a psychiatrist who is also now a documentary filmmaker, and uh, she just made an amazing short film um, about these two immigration lawyers who are sort of fighting ICE and preventing oh, deportations. And she just showed it at Telluride, so we both had a film there, which was which was really amazing. Um, and you have kids? We have three little girls. Yeah. How's that for you? Four and two and one. Good? Yeah. It's the best. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot right now. Yeah. It's like sort of everything converged. Everything happened yeah. at once yeah. in my life in a lot of ways, you know. Do you love Denmark? I love Denmark. I, I, I love envy. It. Have you spent time there? No. I, I, I really haven't, I don't think. Uh, I just picture it being, you know, uh, minimal, you know, furniture and yeah <laughs> yeah sure it, and, well that's and not it, a lot of storage space it it uh <laughs> i've spent a lot of time there in the last eight years we have danish kids my kids speak danish yeah they've got danish passports i have a house there it's great it's a very because it's over here it's a very <laughs> sane yeah gentle practical place practical beautiful yeah. place that yeah. really looks after its people yeah. you know the median quality of life for, yeah. for everyone uh that's so it, it's and nice. it must be just relaxing, a different right? Relax. well that's the thing it's like yeah. the stress yeah it goes right here. i go to canada and it's i'm it's gone yeah. i'm yeah. free so I, I, I go anywhere yeah it's just ireland i don't give a shit yeah yeah and it's yeah. like oh it's not here the, the psychic cancer yeah is not it's you know the, the when you go to those places it's it's around but it's not you're not the patient yeah <laughs> You know, yeah. you know it's happening, and it's going to spread something, but yeah. it's not. It's not going to kill you. No, and it's it's very um, yeah. It's very restorative for me to be there, and it's become yeah, a it's sanctuary. Great. And it's great. you know, I ride my bike around, and good for you. Nobody gives a shit about you know. Yeah. Uh, and the New Yorker. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and and it's a very you know. Uh, I remember I took my wife the first time I went there. I took her and her mother and uncle to Noma, yeah. which is that you know famous restaurant yeah. that's, that's in Denmark. Yeah, and um, we met the chef afterwards, and we yeah. went to the kitchen, and they have this sort of dry erase board with all kinds of stuff on it. Yeah, and they had one, I think, number one restaurant in the world four years in a row at yeah. that point. 
or something like that. Yeah. And they said something about how every year they threw out the entire yeah, menu. Right. Because they knew if they tried to protect their success, they wouldn't achieve it again. And, and, and that mentality, that risk mentality yeah. is, is really rife in, in that country. You know, there's a real sense of... And you understand that. And, and so that's yeah. something that really appeals to me because I think unless you put yourself in danger somehow, you know, it's that thing Frank Stella said, I'm only interested in what I can't do. So what can't you do? Yeah. Because then you're up against something where you're going to have to find some inner ledge yeah. to go on and then you might grow. You might fail spectacularly, but you might grow. But I think like what I'm hearing from you, which I, I, I don't know that we're, you know, which I think deserves some defining is that, you know, you're able to compartmentalize that yeah. And, yeah. and that, you, you know, that is the deal. Is that you know when when you're doing your family thing or you're you know yeah. out in the world yeah. you're not an empty vessel you know it's just yeah. you're not doing the work at that moment. That's exactly right. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. And and that you know you 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 function in the world. I have a very you know, normal <laughs> life. Right. You know. Right. It's, and I'm sure you find you know it's not. And I'm sure you're not boring. You know. And I'm sure that you you know you have interests. You know. We've talked about some of them. I wish you know. I'm trying to make you look good here. Thank you. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. But no, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm when I'm with my family and when I'm yeah. in my life, yeah. I'm all in that. Yeah, yeah um, great. But work is something that feeds me. Yeah. And it has been an obsession. Sure. You know, and that is, yeah. I, 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 I get very intensely um, obsessed with a piece of work and it becomes a real kind of you know it feels you make your wife work double duty <laughs> it's you know finding that balance and and figuring you know f but you're right about compartmentalization yeah um it's just be careful because like i despite what we said earlier yeah i i really took i think it took pacino years to shake scarface yeah. I, I think I, I really believe I saw him in uh, American Buffalo in Boston. Yeah, you saw that the yeah, David in the Wheeler 80s. production. Yeah, yeah. in the eighties, yeah. and I, I don't I don't remember what the distance was between that and right. Tony Montana. Right, but there was a little in there. I heard I heard a little bit, a little bit. So you know, make sure not, he's kind of amazing. And as he gets older, when he's when he wants to do the work, when he really wants oh, to do he's the work, incredible. Like that, him playing Doctor Kevorkian, yeah. that was crazy. Yeah, good. Yeah. He's incredible. I mean, I you know, he got lost in hoo ha for for a while. Maybe you could say, you know, maybe I know people. Some people feel that there's been affectations. I, I mean, I just think that he has never stopped. I, I think, but he, I searching. think he's, but he, I think he's one of the only ones, though. He know? is. No, he's. I mean, when you know, when I say about always being, you yeah. know, what I said earlier about yeah. being a student, I feel like he. He has never stopped. Yeah, uh, he can uh, go there. He he, yeah. he 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 still takes the the risk, the vulnerability. He does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and it's funny because he came to my school when I was an undergrad. I, yeah, I had been an intern on this documentary yeah. he made called "Looking for Richard." Sure, I remember that. Yeah, and that was my introduction to Shakespeare. And I was, I think, I was, I don't know, fifteen or sixteen when yeah. he did that. Um, and so later, when I invited him to school he said something someone asked a question it was a very sort of intellectual question 
And he said a couple simple things that have stayed with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. One was just about finding a way to connect viscerally with a character. Yeah. Not in your thoughts. Yeah. And the other was about meaning what you say. That it's that simple. You have to mean the words that you say. You can't just say those words. And I, I, I think that that's... It's so loaded, that concept, truly. Really. Yeah, yeah. It's like at the end of this last season of Succession... Yeah. I had to sit on the dirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with your siblings. floor of a parking lot. Yeah. And Jesse had written a line that said... I'm blown into a million pieces, you know? And yeah. so your work really is to mean that. Yeah. Find a way to mean it. Yeah. Um, What's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's, <laughs> I, it's like, shot? it's like, I don't know. We've, we're about halfway through. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the fear in a way yeah. we've made 30 hours of story so far yeah the fear is how do you continue to move the needle how do you sustain something like well that? it feels to me that that but they have you know, it feels to me that it's it's it, you're we're at a ledge here that it feels that it's sustainable for this season for sure you know i don't know about one after this but but it doesn't I matter either. i don't know either. it doesn't matter i mean and i'm sure they feel that weight these guys seem smart there's i mean jesse's yeah. jesse armstrong is just a brilliant he's yeah. a brilliant writer yeah and he uh again and again you know i think i mean in a way that thing we're talking about about where does this come from yeah i think jesse also feels a sort of terrible weight of how am i going to clear this bar and at the same time, whatever that source is, yeah. I, th I think is inexhaustible, really. I don't think if, the material if, for this show huh, is inexhaustible. Right. But I think... That that thing we're talking about, Duende. Yeah. You know, if you make yeah. yourself available to it. Right. Got it. Good talking to you. You too. Great. Great talking to you. Okay, so that was the conversation that I had with Jeremy Strong. So here's what happened. About 10 days after I talked to him, he sent a text with a voice memo recording. He said it was something that he's been thinking about and he wished he had said it uh, during our talk. So here it is. Mark, hey, it's Jeremy. Um, I just wanted to send you this. I've been thinking about our conversation and something I wish I had said. I don't know if it's too late but here i am in a in a hotel room in stockholm jet lagged out of my mind but but the thing i've been thinking a lot about is um you know all this stuff about me and that article and you know, quote, controversy, and uh, I guess the thing I keep thinking is, is who cares? Who cares, right? Who cares what some actor says or does? Uh, it's, it's, it's entirely unimportant, and it's just noise and silliness, right? Like, 
there's a war in Ukraine, there's devastating flooding in Pakistan, Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, uh, the, the fucking Secretary General of the UN called the latest IPCC report on the climate crisis a code red for humanity. And, you know, we open our news feeds and there's all this stuff about actors and what they're saying and what they're doing. And it's just, it's just silliness and, uh, it's harmful and it's a distraction from things that matter. And I think the work that actors do can be meaningful and can be healing and can even maybe matter but what we say and do and how any of us work or how any of us get there uh it's just entirely unimportant um okay it was really great to talk to you and uh yeah that's it okay there you go jeremy strong the movie armageddon time opens in theaters this friday october 28th and I, I would like you to hang out for a minute. Could you do that? Thanks. So look, folks, on Thursday, I talked to Ron Carter, who is one of the architects of modern jazz, one of the great uh, double bass players, one of the great musicians, has been on upwards of 2,300 recordings, is still active and, and, and lucid, and his fingers are still beautiful and working. Uh, I, I saw him at Birdland in New York the night before I talked to him. I tried to get up to speed. I'm not a deep jazz nerd, but I enjoy it, and I was curious, and we had a great conversation. That's on Thursday. Um, at Vicker Street in Dublin on Wednesday, this Wednesday, October 26th. Then I'm in Oklahoma City at the Tower Theater on Wednesday, November 2nd. Dallas, Texas at the Majestic Theater on Thursday, November 3rd. San Antonio at the Tobin Center for the Performing Arts for two shows on Friday, November 4th, and Houston at the Cullen Theater at Wortham Center on Saturday, November 5th. Then I'm in Long Beach, California at the Carpenter Performing Arts Center on Saturday, November 12th. Eugene, Oregon at the Holt Center for the Performing Arts on Friday, November 18th. And Bend, Oregon at the Tower Theater on Saturday, November 19th. In December, I'm in Asheville, North Carolina at the Orange Peel for two shows on Friday, December 2nd. And then Nashville, Tennessee, I'm at the James K. Polk Center on Saturday, December 3rd. And my HBO special taping is at Town Hall in New York City on Thursday, December 8th. Go to WTFPod.com tour for all dates and ticket info. Uh, and since I'm still overseas and have no guitar, here's more of me playing songs with guests who have been on the show. This is me and Dan Zanes from the Del Fuegos playing Catch That Train. Well, everybody's talking about a day up at the lake. Let's get our bags and guitars and all the food we can take. I'll meet you corner when sun decides to break come on catch that train come on catch it catch that train well i don't mind the station i don't mind going underground 
symphony of a thousand different sounds in another 20 minutes we'll all be country bound so catch that train come on catch it catch that train all right take it away Ha, 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 ha. 